Welcome to the second episode of Stoked. I am your host, Cher, and I am joined today by... Me! Hi, uh, my name is Jocelyn Harper. I am the host of the Get Cute podcast and also a software engineer, and I'm really excited to be on this, and I'm really excited for these hot sauces, honestly. Honestly, same. And I am so excited to talk to you. Like, I feel like we're just like BFF soulmates. (laughs) We totally are, if it's not uh, evident by how much we talk to each other on Twitter and support each other. So we're like each other's like hype goddesses. <laughs> you are the share to my Dion. Yes, I love it. That's actually that's actually true. You should really just change your name because mine's already share. So I don't have to do anything. <laughs> yes, Dion Harper. Let's get to it. <laughs> That's actually a lovely, lovely name, and I'm sorry to your parents for um, suggesting it because your name is also beautiful. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Well, awesome. I'm super excited to sit by the fire with you and stoke it. So do you want to get started? Yes, please. All right. Perfect. All right. So up first, uh, there should be a little bottle, little tiny, tiny bottle. This has a number one on it. Yes. We're doing it in numerical order, as one might assume. Um, and the first one is uh, Cutino Sauce Company, and this is their habanero sauce. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to love this. Ooh, I just put, like, all of it. But you know what? Going for it. Oh, it smells amazing. And what are you – what's your hot sauce vehicle today? The Chicken McNugget from McDonald's. All right. Perfect. The perfect sauce vehicle. And you know what? I really like that one. You really like him? Do you I like a lot a lot. Do you want to know the secret ingredient? Well, I guess it's not a secret. Yeah. It's actually on the list of ingredients. So. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of like just an ingredient. <laughs> yeah. um, it's got mustard and lemon juice in it. You know what? The mustard? Yes. Right? Yes. I don't even like mustard, but this is good. Wow. I'm blowing your mind with mustard hot sauce today. You really are. As someone that does not like mustard, I love this. I'll wait until I shock you. Spoiler for a future sauce that you will consume. Oh, I'm so excited. Wow. Bravo, Cher. Thank you. Honestly. <laughs> your face. Flawless. Flawless taste. <laughs> Who knew you were perfect at everything, Cher? What the hell? Yeah, that's what they say. I don't know. It's just like comes natural. (laughs) So uh, seriously, though, um, I am curious. What is your favorite hot sauce or your go-to? Frank's hot sauce is my go-to. Like Frank's Red Hot? Yeah, have to. Mm -hmm. Have to. If anything is like bland or it's – I have a bottle in my fridge. It's – my go-to for everything. But I used to a very long time ago, like be very into hot sauces and like collecting them. But um, I don't know why I stopped. I think it's because I moved. 
I think it's because I moved. Mm. There was like a really good place that had really good like barbecue rubs and hot sauces oh. in my old town. And where where was that? Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. And uh, oh. yeah, yeah. And so we would go there. My ex and I would go there a lot and uh, pick out sauces and stuff. But you know, that was a very long. T- that was like, oh my god, maybe five or six years ago now. So I need to find a place up here. I need to stop making excuses. But I can't yeah. get over this hot sauce. I'm also putting it on fries. I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> don't be sorry. I mean, it's it's seriously so good. Like, it's ridiculously good. He, he knows what he's doing for sure. And um, it, yeah. And I, mm-hmm. you know what? The thing that I've loved about like learning about like black culture um and how i mean obviously like white people have appropriated everything from black culture but hot sauce among them <laughs> but learning about you know the culture of hot sauce in black culture mm-hmm. and i think that the thing that has impressed me so much with you know finding these um black owned businesses which some of which i already had in my collection i just didn't know that they were black owned businesses mm-hmm. but the thing that i loved about them was like the amount of creativity and putting together different spices and flavors to kind of carry that heat Mm -hmm. and this is one of those things where I'm like yeah mustard like totally makes sense and I love that it's being used in like a completely different way than like I feel like it's been used like in in sauces in terms of in you know I don't want to say white culture because that's not that sounds gross. But you know, in terms of the appropriation by white people of other people's culture. Yeah. No, and I also think that like we as black Americans, you know, we have to uh be really creative in our food. I mean, historically, if you like look at the ties back to what is known as soul food and the fact that um, slaves just had to become really uh, creative with what they were given, what scraps they were given um, by their owners at that time. And I think that's just been like a pervasive theme throughout American history or Black American history is that with food, especially, we are always really creative because it seems like, you know, like we're given a little, but from that we can make a lot. And so I'm really excited that this sauce was so freaking amazing i would have never thought mustard was in it never but now that you know you like almost taste it right you're like oh that makes sense that's exactly as soon as you told me it's not overwhelming exactly oh i just put mustard in my mouth and i don't even like mustard (laughs) exactly willingly at that (laughs) (laughs) and with that we're on to the next one so this one is not very hot but it's so good and this is Shaquanda's, which is mm-hmm. one that I had in my cupboard already. Didn't know, uh, which I should have known the pictures on the front. But I guess maybe I've just like been accustomed to like brands that like have indigenous or black people on them. But like, you know, they're like owned by Coca-Cola or whatever. So right, right. In my head, I'm like, oh, this is just a character. But like, no, this is a real person. And she's incredible so this is her umami hot pepper sauce okay umami has me excited okay all right let's go for it and the name right like Mm -hmm. oh wow right i need i need more (laughs) lap it up 
get all you need. Are you ready to learn what's in it? Yes, the flavor profile in this is so interesting. Yeah, ex right? <laughs> like, it's so interesting. So this is a caramelized onion and blueberry-based hot sauce. And it's got blackberry juice, red wine vinegar, molasses, habanero peppers, balsamic vinegar, white vinegar, black garlic, salt, sugar, and olive oil. Oh, my God. Like, I this is so freaking good. It's, like, otherworldly, right? Like, and, yeah. and I have never in my life had a sauce that had this mix of things in it. And it's so brilliant. Like it's, it's so, it's hearty. And, um, you know, cause I, um, I'm sober. Like, I feel like this is such a good replacement for when I would like drink with dinner, like mm -hmm. having sauces like these is like a perfect, right. You know, cause it's, it's almost like you're going into like a wine or a beer or a, I don't know. Other people have like, you know, their liquor pairings. Yeah. Um, here it's whatever. And this feels like it replaces that really, really well for me um, with the interesting depth of, of flavors and, you know, the way that hot sauce is made, you know, it's oh, just so everybody knows I've already eaten all of it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I guess uh, Shaquanda has, has outdone herself. She really has. This is phenomenal. And also I just want to, the fact that you said earlier, I was eating really when you said this, but about having like a black person or an indigenous person on a product and it being owned by Coca-Cola. Can we just talk about how the Aunt Jemima thing? How do you feel about that? So <laughs> I don't know what's happening. I It's kind of like the Lando Lakes thing where I'm like, okay, I know Lando Lakes butter is owned by white people. There was a Native American and not you know, I mean, it was very much like Pocahontas, you know, like Disney movie, like character on mm -hmm. the front, like very weird and out of place. I think I grew up thinking Aunt Jemima was a real person and came from the South. So, mm -hmm. and I honestly, I know I hear you. Um, and I'm not like, I've not done any research on it at this point because there's so much other stuff like going on at this very moment, but I did hear that they were taking it down. So do you want to give me a little uh, buffer on... Yeah, so I'll just give you, like, <laughs> a very brief, like, 10-second <laughs> thing. So Aunt Jemima, not owned by a Black company or Black corporation. Mm -hmm. Essentially, that character was a, a Black mammy character. <gasps> hella racist, hella racist. And so them coming out and saying they were going to replace her was just kind of like, what? Like you've been, you've been new. You've been new that this shit was racist as fuck, right? And I think that's a, what I'm having issues with as far as this kind of uh, kind of corporation overhaul in general is that uh, it's like you you knew what you were doing and the imagery that you had was racist, but all of a sudden because of these protests and things, like you just suddenly realized that black people existed, and now you're trying to change your tune. So. I mean, I guess shout out to them. Uh, I guess they're trying to sell more syrup, whatever. I don't know what other products Aunt Jemima has, but uh, so very interesting. I think I think they make pancake mix too. I might be wrong. Do they? I don't. Mm. I might be wrong, but I feel like I've seen. I've always been a bisquick person. So, uh, yep, you're right. Oh, I, okay. Before we move on to the topic of pancake mix, I got to tell you about a really good pancake mix, but like, okay. But before we move on from the topic, um, just I think, you know, the thing that I have, 
um, been bothered by and what's going on is like the it. And, and there's this word, I almost actually tweeted about this earlier. And I was like, I don't really feel like arguing with people today. Um, is that I am getting really bothered by the word offended. And I feel like that's something that's coming up a lot right now. And I think that this Aunt Jemima thing is such a good example. It's like, because they're like, I'm so, I'm so sorry for the people I offended. I'm so sorry for the people we offended. We want to change. We don't want to offend anyone. And it's like, I feel like what they're saying is like, here's all these angry white people. And right. So I think that the thing that I feel like is happening so much now is that it's like, okay, yes, there's, you know, the protests are like mainly about, you know, black people and everything, but white people are not hurt or harmed (laughs) by any of this. They're, bothered they're offended and that to me is like offended is like you've made me irritated like I'm upset but that doesn't mean that I am directly affected or harmed by those actions and so when I see these businesses like you know like Aunt Jemima coming out like we're so sorry we offended all of these people I feel like the people that they're talking to are still Mm -hmm. white people and even if they they don't know that that's what they're saying. Like, I want to hear people say, like, I'm sorry for the black people that I've harmed. I'm sorry for the indigenous people that I have or we, you know, as an organization have harmed. And I think that even if the actions were the same as like, OK, we're going to remove this branding because it is harmful. Well, and then also saying, like, yes, we know we've been aware of this. And and this is what I think is like the the key that makes me understand the difference between being I'm not going to be racist anymore versus I'm actively anti-racist is that you can take that look at yourself or your organization and say like, we've been actively like harming um, black people or indigenous people with, you know, this imagery or these actions or these values and attitudes, whatever the case may be. And, and actually say like, we did this, we, we were aware that this was a problem and yet we continued to do it. And right now, it it's a further example that we have so far to go in that it took a lot of angry white people who, you know, who knows what their motivations are um, to make us change what we were already doing. And I think the worst thing about it, right, it's like it would be different if No, it wouldn't be different, but maybe I could slightly understand their stance on it if they hadn't gone through multiple marketing rebrandings. Like they just took the same depiction of a black woman on their bottles and then just like updated it. So my thing is, is that they've been and I granted, I don't know the years where they've gone through like their branding changes or whatever, but I'm like, you could have addressed this at any point in time during one of those, but you didn't see it as a financial risk to your company. So you kept it. It's not until now where, you know, uh, black people have been saying things about it for decades. It wasn't until, as you said, white people started getting angry about it, that things changed. So it's very, uh, it's interesting. Like I'm not mad that it's gone, but I don't necessarily agree with this whole corporation overhaul situation because I still don't trust corporations, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) Yeah. 
I, I agree. What I, I'm curious since we're on this topic, what do you think about Ben and Jerry's? How do you view that company and the its leaders? For me, <clears throat> Ben and Jerry's is still a corporation. So like I understand, but however, with Ben and Jerry's, I feel as though the company and the owners have been about it. And by it, I mean um, just equal rights for, oh my God, I want to say since the company started. So when Ben and Jerry's does things like this, I don't, I know that they're also making money by doing this, but I also believe that the owners, well, I believe to whatever extent I can believe white cis men about their company and about their values and things have what they're doing. I think that they're doing it in a correct way. Now, am I going to go buy like the equal rights or whatever the new flavored ice cream they put out for? No. I mean, I am allergic to chocolate, so I couldn't eat it anyway, but um, I, it's complicated. It's a gray area for me. So I like the fact that they're taking their platform and they're using however many customers that consume Ben and Jerry's and telling them what's up, which is great. But on the other hand, it's like, I also know that that's making you money. And I don't know if I can fault them for that because we do live in a capitalistic society, but, and they're upholding that. So it's very, I'm, I'm iffy on it. I, I definitely, and, and, and that's the thing is like, I was so like on board because it's like, yeah, sure. They make money. That's part of the society we live in, but they're also doing all of this stuff. It's when they added the flavor that I was like, okay, I think your heart is in the right place, but you're still finding a way to center yourself because you're not a black owned business. And what they could have done was driven their customers to buy similar, you know, ice creams that are, you know, super interesting, full of flavor um, to other black owned businesses that are smaller, more local or, or even like, you know, larger companies, what, what have you, whatever the case may be. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like that was a a critical error in judgment for them as a company. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with sounding radical. Like these companies have such massive profit margins, you know? That, like, you could easily eat the cost of whatever it costs to produce this. Easily. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's so easy for white people to be like, oh, see, no matter what you do, it's not enough. And it's like, no, it's not enough until Period. there's equity in our society for Black people and ind- Indigenous people. Because they're... Okay, yes. We're so far from that, that, like... Uh, you're right. It's not enough. It, it can't be enough. Let's let's go on number three. Um, and then I want to tell you about the pancake mix. Okay. Because it is not appropriating any cultures. Well, other than the fact that, well, we'll get into it. Okay. This sounds really exciting. So this is Pirate's Lantern, which is my favorite brand of hot sauce. Mmm. Smells like peanut butter. And this is one of the ones that was also in my cupboard that I did not know was a Black-owned business, but... Ooh! When I tell you what's in it, you'll be like, "Yep." Mm-hmm. Um, so this has mustard in it. What is going on? Why am I liking all of these mustard ones? Again, emptying the bottle. I know. I'm just, I'm just in here with the mustard. So this one has sugar, tomato paste, onions, molasses, 
spices, and it just says hot pepper. So it's the uh, Pirate's Lantern Hot Bayesian Barbecue. Mm. And so their other sauce is also really good, but instead of um, the molasses, it has um, horseradish in it. And uh, honestly, like I highly recommend just buying, these are the only two that they have. I highly recommend buying both bottles um, because they both are just absolutely delicious and have, despite having the same base, taste totally different. Wow. Both mustard base, but totally different flavors on the end. And this is the kind of thing where it's like, it's so creative. I wonder where are they do, where are they located again? Um, so they're they're companies in uh, New York, but hmm. I believe um, they're from. I mean, it's Bayesian, so that would be like Caribbean, right? Like Louis. Yeah. Okay. Because this is Barbados style. Yeah. Ooh. I was like, I know Bayesian is like Cajun, but like from somewhere in the Caribbean, so it's Barbados. <laughs> I'd be learning. It's so. You almost made me spit up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm not even fronting for the podcast, y'all, but all of these sauces are so freaking good. I can't get over it. I can't wait to tell my friend Brian about this because we go back and forth about who can like handle the spiciest stuff. Oh, because he's part Dominican, mm. and <laughs> and when we like wait, wait till I tell you about these because that's just you may have turned me on to mustard based hot sauces. I may have to just like actually buy and try more now. Uh, just dunking on the <laughs> just dunking on everything basically is what I do. Uh, you know, at some point you're gonna have to come visit me, and you're we're just gonna like have to just go through all the hot sauces that I own, and just like I don't know, we'll get like a hundred nuggets or something. Oh my yes, please can we a mukbang? We'll do a hot sauce mukbang. <gasps> oh my, we can do it on the live stream. Yes, we can do it on Twitch. We. Yes, everyone. I also stream, but I mainly stream video games. But yes, um, tech Twitter would explode if that happened. I think. But I'm ready for it. Oh, Let no. tech Twitter explode once again. I mean, we should totally. This is like the greatest collab idea we've ever had. <laughs> I we have to now. We absolutely have to. I'm I'm so happy that. <laughs> And then I can make you the pancakes, which I keep forgetting to mention. So the the pancakes mix that I've been eating since I was young is uh, Snoqualmie Falls pancake mix. And so I'm from Washington State, uh, Mm -hmm. Seattle area. In the Cascades, there is Snoqualmie Pass, which is like where – I mean, I didn't grow up going skiing or snowboarding because I was poor. But – all my friends did and that's where they would go um but they sell this uh they have uh oats that they sell as well and probably a couple of other things i don't know but they started selling it online so my mom i'm i cannot eat other pancakes except for this pancake mix and i don't know what it is about this pancake mix but like i can't do bisquick i can't do any grocery store like i've made some myself and they're like okay but like i would after i left washington i would make my mom send and me and my mom didn't get along for like over a decade so like the fact that she still sent me this 
pancake mix. So like she like, understood the need. Exactly she understood. Like, I can't have other pancakes in my house. This is the only one. But it's so good. And the reason I was like, well, there's no cultural appropriation. But at the same time, like, obviously, we know Washington State, like, very, like, Native American history there, um, indigenous uh, folks driven from their land. And I, you know, it's interesting is that uh, growing up where I did on the, so my dad lived in West Seattle, but my mom actually mm-hmm. lived like in, we lived like the Bellevue, Kirkland, sort of like east side of Seattle, mm-hmm. other side of uh, Lake Washington area. Mm-hmm. And there's a very large um, Asian community there. Um lots of different uh, countries in Asia, but where I live specifically, mostly like Japanese. And so I learned a ton about like Japanese culture, like in school, just because they, you know, they kind of have to provide that. But then also there's a lot of like, you know, Native Americans there, of course. Um, So learning Mm -hmm. also about that culture is a big part of uh, the curriculum there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I, I feel really like lucky that, I mean, that I didn't, unfortunately didn't get to learn as much about, you know, black culture, but like learning those cultures, I think actually really helped shape the person that I became outside of like, you know, dealing with my own hardships. Like Mm -hmm. I, I feel that understanding like that, like, you know, the house that I lived in, the land that it was on was taken, you know, from a Japanese family who was forced into an internment camp or a concentration camp because of what was going on, like in Pearl Harbor, you know, like, but understanding that that land was taken from somebody who purchased it and earned it. And then they had to come back after they, you know, they, if they made it out alive of the concentration camp, that they came back and had nothing you know, and, and no, uh, uh, and oh gosh, you know, I don't know who it was that posted yesterday, but I, I had known that like slaves, um, you know, obviously there was uh, segregation that happened, but also there was in encouragement for uh, people to leave the like colonies and that side of the country to come out West because there was like running out of land and everything's so, like, go over there. So the government was like giving plots of land to people, but black people were not um, eligible, but then also yep. learning that slave owners got paid to release their slaves. It's just like, yep. the layers and layers and layers of inequity that are like, that have like built And back then, like it was so, it was such like a narrow margin, but like times that by 200 years. And suddenly you're looking at billions of dollars that have been stolen essentially, you know, from, you know, black people and indigenous people and, you know, Japanese people who had their land taken from them. Or I don't, you know, who knows what, you know, probably like, you know, indigenous people of Mexico, like in, you know, the South, like Texas and in that area. Oh my, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just like the more you, the more you uncover, it's just like, it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think what's so interesting about uh, this current wave of protests that we're having right now, A, they're still going on, mm-hmm. even though the news is no longer covering it, but people are still pissed. Um, B, I think people are even more angry now because they're now starting to realize the severity of what black Americans and indigenous people and people of color have been talking about for literally decades. They're now 
finally starting to see it. And in some small parts, they are starting to radicalize for it. I mean, I, I think that even amongst Black Americans, there there's still some discourse about um, abolishing the police and things of like that. But I think overall, um, the majority of people, I would like to say, are pissed and we're tired. And hopefully we're going to take steps in the right direction to right these wrongs. But how do I say this without things can't, things are going to get worse before they change. It, it, it's just historically, it's a pattern um, amongst yeah. revolutions. I mean, the Russian Revolution, the French Revolution, countries that demanded change, there's not going to be change mm-hmm. without more violence. Mm-hmm. I hate to say. Yeah, I hate to say it too. And people are like, oh no, why can't we just have it without violence? Because there's, because the other side is violent against the peaceful. And so we have to act in return. Otherwise, yeah. <laughs> I mean, pretty much that's it. <laughs> I, but uh, that's, goes into the views of how people portray cops though right like mm. very very different views most people view cops as like these upstanding citizens that are meant to protect them yada 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 they're putting their lives on the line such a dangerous job such a selfless job but in reality uh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you, and you don't like i i've had good experiences with the police like you know when I was doxxed a few years ago and there was like, you know, four mm-hmm. trainers coming to my house and everything, the police were super helpful. I have a next door neighbor who's a police officer. He was extremely helpful. Like, and at the time, like our neighborhood mm-hmm. only had like 10 houses in it. And so like, it was imperative, you know, cause there wasn't a lot of people around to see like what was happening. So mm-hmm. it was imperative to have that support. But I can honestly say in my 35 years of life, that is the only time that I have felt mm-hmm. protected and served by the police and like last night. So I've, I've been arrested four times um, and all four times it was because I couldn't afford to pay a ticket from my registration expiring. Shit. And I got into an argument I on saw that. About this with somebody who was like, all you have to do is, you know, all you have to do is like go to court. Well, that's not actually true. If it's for like, you, you know, like say you get a ticket for, you don't have insurance. Like, the you either pay it or you show them you have insurance or you show them your registration is taken care of. I was poor. Not only could I not afford to pay the fine, I couldn't afford to up my registration. So the the failure to appear, yes, it was for failing to appear in court supposedly, but not really because I didn't have I didn't have the thing to bring to court and I didn't have the money to pay. So I was pulled over and arrested. And the first time I was arrested, they like drove me uh, so I was like on the other side of Missouri. And so they transferred me to three different jails before I ended up in the county <clears throat> where I had originally gotten the ticket, which was actually in Illinois. And uh, they didn't tell me why I was arrested. And, you know, they approached me like with, there was four, four cop SUVs and well, one pulled me over and then three more came, you know, and mm-hmm. four cops approached my vehicle, which I'm driving a red Dodge neon. Like there's not exactly like, you know, I don't look like menacing or anything with their weapons drawn. And I have, I've never been more terrified in my life than I was during that time. And I kept asking, you know, like why I was being arrested. And they kept saying like, you have a warrant, you have a warrant. And I'm like, 
for what? <laughs> like, right. what, what could I have possibly done? And the thing is, is like, you know, I was doing bad things at the time. So I thought that it was because of, you know, something with drug related or like, you know, some sort of theft or like whatever. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And then it turned out to be this car registration. And the first time it happened, I spent five days in jail because it was a holiday weekend and I got arrested on a Thursday. Oh my God. And it took God. like eight to 12 hours to get to where, cause I, and I had to get booked in at every single place that I went to. And so that whole process took like a whole day. And then I hadn't slept. I had not peed this whole time. And finally I get, you know, to my destination. They still don't tell me, they don't give me my stuff. I'm like calling my mom. I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like I'm sitting in a holding cell. Like they won't, I don't know why I'm here. I'm like sobbing. I'm like, you have to get me out of here. She's like, I don't know what to tell you. Like there's, there's no, it was a, a Memorial day weekend. So then Monday there was nobody there. So I, and then Tuesday was when I, you know, the judge came in and apparently was like, why has this girl been in here for a $40 ticket for four days? You know, I got out on time served, but, uh, yeah. And then getting out took the entire day of getting out of the County jail, you know, getting, uh, I don't remember what it's called, but yeah, the, your release takes all day. So it was like, getting booked in to a bunch of different jails, having no idea why I was arrested, you know, because I was, I just had a warrant that took a whole day. Then I was sitting in a jail cell or sitting in a holding cell for a day and then a jail cell for three days. And then the last day, like, and they dump you out on the side of the road. Like, you know, they just open the door and they're like, get the fuck out (laughs) essentially, you know, is, is what happens. And uh, yeah, it was a horrible experience. I felt I was treated horribly by every single person I encountered. And at the, at the end of the day, like, you know, they were like, well, we didn't really know why you were arrested either. All we could see was that you had a warrant. And I'm like, I do not believe that for a single second. Like why, when a judge came in on Tuesday morning, he was like, why is this girl still here? And why would he have said that if it weren't, if you all didn't know why I was there? I, I'm sitting here flabbergasted <laughs> because I, <laughs> Um, I, so it's not, it's not shocking to me that this happened, but I'm, I, what the fuck? Like you were a teenager. What the fuck? And they just left you in jail. I, I mean, they, and, and the, the crazy thing is, is they were like, well, you can some... get bonded out for a hundred dollars. Like, okay. I was poor. I couldn't afford to pay my car registration. Like, do you think I have a hundred dollars to bail myself out of jail? No. And I don't like, I mean, we could get into the reason why I moved here and like everything, but basically I didn't have anybody, you know, like to come and get me. Like There was, I mean, I did have somebody to come and get me from the jail right. after I got let down. It was my ex, my daughter's dad, and he was pissed, but he was not going to pay my bail. You know, he was going to let me in there, you know, until he came and got me. Right. But, Cause I didn't have a kid with him yet at that point. So there was no reason to scoop me out. He scooped me out the times after that but that's only because right. like, he didn't want to do his job of being a parent but that's a whole other thing <laughs> um let's really quick before we go on let's let's chase the next one because it's definitely been more than five minutes <laughs> yo Cher's ready to spill it all okay <clears throat> number four so this one is spice of life oh i took a big bite of that one. Ooh, whoo so oh, I remember- oh, oh, I'm excited. Wait, wait. I'm getting trying to get it out the box. Okay, there we go. It's it smells spicy. I am 
Ooh. So. Oh, yeah. I've been drinking a protein shake all day. Mm-hmm. And I left it downstairs <laughs> when I came in, when I went and got the hot sauce. And so I don't have anything. Oh, I have no. hot sauce. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Share. It's all right. We'll be good. We'll be good. We, we were both. I put we, the water. We, I don't we, have any milk. We preparing for this since we were a kid. Mmm. Mmm. Okay, so Spice of Life, gourmet hot sauce, holy smoked pepper sauce. I don't know what's in this one, and I should really stop saying that because I could have looked it up at any point. And I just still haven't. Um, but holy, holy pepper sauce. I think there, – so there's either Chipotle peppers, but I don't think that that's what it is, or liquid smoke or both, but like – I was about to say it's super smoky, yeah. But meanwhile, I'm like – trying to get out every single last bite this is like a slow burn mm-hmm. yeah i took a good a big honking a big honking scoop of it and it is it's all up Ooh. i do want to tell people that if i'm not reacting as like my share has like the actual bottle and she's like shaking it out and i have like little teeny like bottles of it so it's not that this isn't hot okay it's coming it's kicking in it's it's kicking it's kicking in <laughs> I feel like on the tip of my tongue the most. Ooh, that's a good hot sauce. Oh, share. Bravo. Thanks. <laughs> and she's dying. No. I think, I think your entire little thing that you have, I just put that amount in my mouth at once. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> With no vehicle, by the way. <laughs> share. I know. What have I done? You need to get... Oh, no. What's going to happen? <coughs> We're going to have some fun. This conversation is going to be fun. This fire is really hot. It's like, you know, when you're, like, sitting in front of the fire pit and the smoke, like, keeps following you because you, like, keep going to wherever the wind is going. Yes. Yes. You know? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like I keep moving, but like the smoke keeps following. It's following you. Oh no! It's burning my legs. <laughs> As you said that, I'm starting to get a tingle in the center of my lip. Mm, my this whole, this stuff is serious. My whole mouth is tingling. The back of my throat is like it feels like borderline numb. And I've drank a one sauce before, so like. <laughs> Right. No, this is this is serious stuff, but it's so good. It is so good. I love. Oh my the goodness! Flavor. You know, I I don't always go for the chipotle sauces. I've got some that I like. Uh, I need to try, mm-hmm. um, but I just haven't gotten around to it yet because it's just not my go-to chipotle. But smoky sauces like this, I actually really, really like because, like, it just I don't know. It says it says more like barbecue than chipotle i think chipotle is maybe right or something i don't know but this is what i really love um but i should find out what's in this at some point it's so freaking good we're gonna go through the whole like season 20 episodes and we're gonna to 20th episode and i'm gonna have one of these you know samples and be like i don't know what's on this (laughs) like share okay it's been like three months (laughs) but you know what that's okay Oh my goodness. No. I think having the fries helps with me, like. It's potatoes. With it going away a little bit. Yeah. That's yeah. helping. 
So I'm not suffering. I wish I had some like gnocchi. Oh my. <sighs> that makes me miss my favorite restaurant of all time. What's your favorite restaurant of all time? So in Wilmington, Delaware, where I reside, there's this restaurant called Bardea, which is a James Beard nominated Italian Ooh. restaurant. And they make the best gnocchi I've ever had in my life. It's only served as like an appetizer. Mm. And whenever my friends and I go there, we get a plate of the gnocchi for each of us. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So when I it's- come visit you, we're going? Yes. Is that how this works? Yes. Absolutely. It is divine. Everything, every dish I've had from there is perfect. And I mean, even if you get it again, it still tastes just as good as the first one. It's just phenomenal. I love it. I love it. (gasps) Speaking of, this is a great, I had a celebrity sighting there. Really? Yes. Which so did you see? um, Do you know Johnny Weir? The figure skater? Um, No. See, not a lot of people do. So that's exactly what my friend said. So (laughs) it was, I want to say it was New Year's Eve two years ago. And we had gotten reservations there. And I'm waiting for a table. And it's New Year's Eve, so it's, like, really busy. And I'm standing there. And I go, holy shit, that's Johnny Weir. And my friends were like, who? (laughs) I'm like, it's fucking Johnny Weir. I swear to God. And so I was like, maybe I'm just overreacting but then I saw somebody ask for his picture outside and I was like oh my god it is him I knew it and so his sister-in-law comes over to me and she's like do you want a picture with him and I was like yes she's like he does this all the time it's fine and he was the most stylish person I've ever met in my life like I'm pretty sure he had on like a Dior bar jacket cinched waist just like flawless and I got a picture with him and I was just like this is the best thing that's ever happened to me and but none of my friends realized like who it was so I was just like but to me I was just like yes that's <laughs> so it. interesting you know, I, when I was younger I like let's let's take the next hot sauce just while I my mouth is burning so I don't want to like start okay um, all right so yes 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 this one is Big <laughs> hot sauce three kings okay. sauce, and it is I dumped the whole sauce on my nugget, so oh, I'm scared well, now. <laughs> it's really hot, so just mentally myself for that. Oh, fuck me. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit. So this is a tomato and carrot-based sauce. It's got chipotle peppers, ghost peppers, Carolina reaper peppers, scorpion peppers, Cayenne peppers, hibiscus flour, coffee extract, chia seed powder, liquid smoke, cumin, olive oil, black pepper, paprika, salt, onion and garlic powder, lemon juice, apple cider vinegar, and water. And brown sugar. I keep forgetting the brown sugar. You know what? It's not that bad, though. I think it's because of all of the flavor. Whereas yeah. the last one was had more vinegar, so it was a little bit more easily separatable. And this one's just more, like, thick laid on. Yeah, like, my tongue is, like, like, warm, but... Burns longer and deeper, but it's less, like, visceral up front. Yeah. Oh, no, that's good, too. Were you expecting me to just say, like, all of these are really good, Sharon? <laughs> 
these are like I mean, of course, obviously, I have flawless tastes and sauces. You do, as like you do with everything else. Um, stop. Hair flip, hair flip. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I knew um, you and I were going to be really good friends because I remember when you were with your last company and you were like on the retreat, and I saw like was it a YSL bag on the bed that you took with you? Yes. I remember, and I was like, I see the YSL. I I see you, and I enjoy this. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This is really good. Oh, it was good. And I can't believe all my nuggets are gone now. My box looks horrendous, but I'm very happy. You ate all your nuggets? I ate all the nuggets. They are- that means the boss was good. That's how you know. <laughs> do you know what i don't even like i really don't even eat sauce with my nuggets i'm one of those people that's like no i'm gonna have it playing i'm that type of person right. i mean you know you do you i'm not here to judge how you consume your nugs most people judge they're like what's wrong with you and i'm just like i don't know i don't know i view everything as just a vehicle for hot sauce so <laughs> And, you know, I wanted to mention this earlier is like, you know, you were talking about how like in black culture, like you have to be creative with what you're given. Like, I feel like when you grow up poor, you get some of that. And um, I've gotten really creative with like ramen when I was a kid, like mixing different flavors and like putting hot different kinds of hot sauces in. But then as an adult, when I was poor with Alexis. Um, I learned that hot sauce can make anything taste good. Mm -hmm. And uh, there was a period of time where like I was super broke. And like the only thing that I had was like left in my fridge at one point was like eggs, which obviously really good with hot mm -hmm. sauce, yogurt, actually also really good with hot sauce and um, oatmeal. And obviously the oats, like, you know, I just had, they, they weren't like instant oats or anything. They were just like, you know, I had a big tub oats. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I learned that hot sauce and, um, I, uh, from work, they had all these, like, uh, so I worked at USA Today to, at the mm -hmm. time. And like, you know, people would leave their packets of things that they got from eating out. And so, um, for some reason there was like, there was an Italian restaurant where people went to all of the time. So they always had like those Parmesan cheese packets. So I would take those and I learned that hot sauce, Parmesan cheese and, uh, oats are, uh, a really nice savory, uh, lunch. Wow. Yeah. I feel like I'm like the person that's like had hot sauce on probably literally everything. <laughs> but I love it though. I was like, how am I going to make this very bland thing taste good? <laughs> like ah! I would have never, like I would have never thought of putting those things together. And that's great. The only thing, like, I feel like a lot of my food that I got that I realized was like poor in quotation marks, by the way, I'm doing air quotes. Um, Poor slash black food mm -hmm. is when – so the story is with me. I grew up very poor. And then around 18, I moved out to uh, move in with my ex-boyfriend and his family, which was uh, probably the best and worst thing that I could have ever done. But I realized, like, this one thing that my mom always made and I love are um, fish cakes. I call them fish cakes, which is essentially just, like, canned salmon patted into, like, uh, a, a cake mm. and fried. 
And that was like rice and gravy was like one of my favorite things growing up. And it wasn't until I moved in with the family and I was just like, she was like, well, do you like cooking? I'm like, I do like cooking. She's like, well, what do you want to make for dinner? And I'm like, can I make fish cakes? Because that was one of the things. And his mother's response was just like so viscerally like with disgust. (laughs) Mind you, they were like upper middle class. I'm like, that sounds great. (laughs) You can make one for me. I haven't, I literally haven't had fish cakes in like probably a decade because of that. I haven't made them because that one interaction made me feel like (laughs) my mom's cooking wasn't like good, which is sad, but I felt that I would share that. Yeah, I hope you never feel that way. I think about things that like I had to do growing up because we were poor, you know, like I remember at one point, like, I don't know, we couldn't afford to like get groceries or whatever. And, but we had flour and I think we had we had the ingredients to make bread uh, in the oven. And so in second grade, I was baking bread in the oven so that we had, you know, food to eat. And we always obviously like had a ton of like, you know, top ramen. Um, but then also like once the electricity uh, was off. Um, Been there. Yeah. For, you know, <laughs> for reasons. Yes. Uh, and we used like a coffee can to boil potatoes in the fireplace. Wow. It's just like, you know, it's stuff like that where it's like people like people don't get it. A lot of people. And yeah, they don't, which is interesting because more people are poor than but I so I think part of it is like the where we've gotten to in our lives. So that's why we're having trouble like relating to anyone because we're like, Yeah, remember you had to do this? And we're like, What? No. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Oh my god, do you remember that like you know, you grow up poor when thread that went through tech and like one of them was like, because I didn't have a kitchen island and I was like, oh no. Yeah, whenever my kitchen island, I was like, what the fuck is a kitchen? I didn't see a kitchen island until I was like 18. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Kitchen island? That doesn't mean you were poor. It just means you didn't have a kitchen island. I don't have a kitchen island. I'm not poor. I mean, I couldn't afford to get the kitchen island, but not because I'm poor, because I just couldn't afford the kitchen island but like i am living in a house which i own. meanwhile here's like, the thing for me like one of my things is just like when i was younger so i grew up on a farm which people don't know and um one of the things like people think that like living on a farm that like they all think that like farmers like have some sort of money or something and i'm like no not at all um <clears throat> So I remember like almost every year through elementary through high school, I would go collect cans with like my dad, like, and be able to like turn them in for money for school clothes. Like, (laughs) that's poor. Like you literally scavenging for cans to afford school clothes. When you know how much you get for cans versus a bottle. Exactly. That's when you know you grew like up that, poor. <laughs> not having a kitchen island. I'm just like, what? And and that I I remember I was reading that thread, and that that was actually the thread that made me record that episode that I grew up poor because I was so like <laughs> flabbergasted <laughs> by like the just the sheer yeah uh, like ignorance and like just like complete lack of awareness that like do you not know that like 
people go to like a church and get the free food and it's all the stuff that like is expired. And like, I remember once like, oh God, this, like we got this container of strawberries and I was so excited to have these dang strawberries covered in mold. Like just you open the box and it was like the first three kind of looked off a little, but you know, like that, that little too dark red, a little too dehydrated, but then like right in the middle, it's just like fur everywhere. And just like, oh my God, like, and you don't know that like, oh, just uh, yeah, like you gotta take the you know the first yeah. couple layers of the head of lettuce off because it's all wilted. <laughs> like, oh no, the bread is moldy. So like, okay, well we can save the front half, but not the back half. We have to toss that. Oh, the cheese has mold on it. You can actually just cut that right off. <laughs> but I still do that. <laughs> you know how long it takes for food to actually expire because we get it when it's already expired. <laughs> that is something that I literally still have to stop myself from doing. Is if there's mold on something to not try to salvage it like that's something I still have to force myself to not do to this day and that's just like and also (laughs) like that's like a symptom of being poor that doesn't it just never goes away it never Mm -hmm. goes away like for me I'm always scared that like one month I'm not going to be able to make rent or one month I'm not going to be able to afford to have paper towels or soap or whatever and I like I I backpile shit, not because I'm hoarding, but because <laughs> I'm literally right. afraid that one day. I was thinking about this when like COVID started because, you know, people were like hoarding toilet paper and like all of these like cleaning supplies and everything. And like all of these like, you know, canned goods and certain foods. And I'm just like, like bread was one of the things, but like, hello, I still keep bread in the freezer because I grew up poor. <gasps> It's so funny because people are like, oh my God, like I did not, I've still not had to buy toilet paper. I've still not had to buy paper towels. I've still not had to buy any cleaning supplies. I still have not had to buy any can, you know, non-perishable foods. Like I, the, you know, the only quote unquote hardship that I experienced in terms of like grocery shopping was like stuff that goes bad in like a few days, like vegetables and stuff. Like, but everything like bread had it in the freezer, like, you know, just pull out (laughs) love like and and like you said it's not it's not hoarding because it comes from a different place I'm not all of a sudden worried that I'm gonna run out and not be able to get it like I'm worried that I'm gonna run out of money and not be able to buy it exactly and that's just like so I'm trying to think of other poor symptoms that I have I remember I talked about this with somebody at some point I think it must have been my friend Brian but we just one of the biggest things for me is that I still get like really intense anxiety like grocery shopping because like you know I always had to like do like math in my head like okay I have like seven dollars and eight cents so I can afford to get this this and this and this is like it became way more prominent when when I became a mom and being poor you know because when I was a kid like yeah I knew and like you know there's stuff about like that I kind of developed from being in that environment Mm -hmm. but like really big stuff was like you know checking my debit card like it's a gift card to make sure I could buy you know the groceries um that I had put in my car so it was like a whole very anxious process and then on top of that like feeling like I don't belong like in that grocery store like I walk in and everybody knows that like I they're not sure if I can afford to pay or like you know I definitely had to many times like write a bad check and then like you know I learned 
at some point that you can't continue to do that because they won't accept your check. And just like the embarrassment of like standing there and like the me like, Oh, your check's not going through. Do you have a debit card? And I'm like, Oh, I left it in the car. Fucking run away. (laughs) Yeah. I still, I, I still get that feeling that like I'm, my car is going to decline or like at restaurants. Like it's just like that anxiety never goes away. No matter how much money I'm going to make in the future, it's never going to go away. I, I think that people don't understand that. Like for me, like if you're to be poor or in poverty, like it's a level of you're just surviving and it's like a, a a desperate feeling. Yeah. It's very desperate. Like I remember, so when I was, oh my God, when did this happen? 14. This is probably not the most traumatic, but it's pretty traumatic for me. Um, my house burned down. Oh my God. When I was 14. And so Lived on the farm, but we had lived in a trailer, which people, you know, brand me certain things because I lived in a trailer, which is ridiculous. Relatable. Um, because um, <laughs> so we, my parents had literally just paid it off, like owned it outright, which is a huge fucking thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To not have to make a monthly fucking mortgage payment that's like yours outright, and then it burns down. And so it turns out that my dad had relapsed on the house insurance because it costs so much money. But um, when your house burns down and you don't have house insurance, there's nothing you can really do. So essentially I lived, I think for, gosh, that happened my freshman year. I lived in a camper on our, on our land for like I'm trying to think, we were in a hotel for like a month. Red Cross put us in a hotel for like a month, and then they like they stopped giving you funds after a month because after a month you should probably you should already have a house or whatever is what they think. <sighs> Not the fucking case. I stopped going to school, so I ended up having to go to truancy court. Which I'm like, oh looking back on it, I'm like, you guys, are you fucking kidding me? Like I'm clearly depressed. Like, obviously in a massive depressive episode and the school goes, you know what's a good thing to do? Let's send you and your mother to court. Okay. And, you know, we lived on a camper after that, like for like, I don't know, three or four months. I, I remember going to band camp and then coming home and practicing my routine like outside in our driveway, like next to the camper because that's literally all we had. And like that level of literally just surviving when I tell you that's literally all we could do like you adapt so quickly to that that it's I just never want anybody to have to feel that sense of desperation but I need people yeah. to understand that's that's poverty that's what yeah. poverty is is like having no choice like my parents worked essentially their entire lives for this home, right? Even if you people don't think trailers are like fucking houses, give me a break. But they work their entire lives to pay for this home and then it's just gone. And then knowing that like they had to go back to renting <laughs> and, and for the last of their days, they lived in a rented. So it's just kind of like, that's literally scraping by. It's literally one thing happening, one mishap, one misbill payment. Yeah slipped you right back down into poverty. And that's what being poor is to me. 
that's living an experience like that or something like that. Yeah. So every negative experience is a crisis when you're poor. Yes, absolutely. See, that's the reason we were like connected spiritually. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. So are you ready to rate these hot sauces we've had today? Yes, I am. All right. So we, we rate out of embers here at Stoked, okay. which makes sense because it's tech and Ember.js and embers are in fire. So Nerd. that's what we do. <laughs> so tell me, out of five embers, what do you rate Cutino Sauce Company's habanero sauce? I would rate that a four out of five embers. Four out of five embers. Delicious. What about Shaquanda's Ooh Mommy? Three out of five embers. Five. I bet you would have given it a five if it was like hotter. Yes, that's absolutely true. Yep. Yep. Okay. Number three, Pirate's Lantern, their hot Bayesian barbecue. Four out of five embers. Four out of five. Mm-hmm. Spice of Life, holy smoked pepper sauce. Mm, three out of five. Three out of five. It is a lot of vinegar. Mm-hmm. And... Last but not least, Big Red's Three Kings sauce. How many embers out of five? Four out of five. Four out of five. I mean, that's a pretty good average. It is. Uh, I'd say for these delicious black-owned sauces. So good. And as always, these will be linked at stoked.fm. You can find links to where to buy them there. And Jocelyn... Thank you so much for joining me by the fire today. Um, I really appreciate stoking the fire with you. I feel like we've really really poked at it and made the flames really high uh, during this conversation, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Of course. Thank you for having me, Cher. Amazing. And where can people find you? Sure. Where can people find you on the internet? So uh, my personal Twitter is at so and so's. Um, the get cute Twitter is at get cute podcast, and then uh, the podcast obviously also has a website, which is getcutepodcast.com. Yeah, and we're everywhere. Awesome, <laughs> you are everywhere. And I mean, what about stickers? Do you have stickers? I do have stickers that are for purchase on the website right now, but I am also making. Uh, stickers that I've been working on today. Actually, they're Magic Girl stickers that are going to be holographic. Uh, so those are going to be coming within the next couple of weeks, I think. All right. Well, make sure to follow Jocelyn on all our platforms so you can get some awesome stickers because you know that we love stickers. Stickers are great. All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your weekend. It was, again, just fantastic having you. And I can't wait because we are going to do a mukbang and we're going to try every single hot sauce that I own. That's going to happen. I'm so excited. Like, you want to win, but it's going to happen. Yes. All right. Bye. Bye.